Age and Fitness Podcast. I'm your Amber Sobria Ritter. I'm your host, a behavior analyst, personal trainer, and mom of three living in the Bay Area, California. And this whole podcast is focused on trying to take the science of human behavior and apply it into the fitness realm, into the motherhood realm, self-care, self-acceptance, all of the things that are going to help us live a values-based life. And this week we are continuing on with our topic of systems work. So just to review, systems work is the work that you do in order to take your goals, the things that are really uh, helping you live a life that's in line with your values, the concrete representations of your values. How do you take those and achieve them? How do you actually find a way to be successful at your goals? So much of the time as parents, we're torn in so many different directions. It's really hard to figure out how to uh, create an environment that's going to support us in our goals and help us be impactful and effective without totally draining us of all the resources that we need to accomplish all of the other things that are also really important to us, right? There are so many values that we're sort of holding simultaneously. So I'm just coming to discover that um, mediocrity over a long period of time is going to be so much more impactful than being amazing in any realm but for a short period of time. Reading two pages of a book every day for the next year, I'm going to get through that book versus if I try to make myself read a chapter every night, I'm probably going to be able to sustain that for a few nights and then I'm going to stop. So I know it's not super glamorous. I know it's not really exciting. Like, oh my gosh, I'm really going to read two pages of this book. You know, I, um, I'm really only going to do 10 jumping jacks today and that's my goal. It's not glamorous, but it's really not about that. It's about finding a way to take a new habit and embed it, right? Layer it on top of your current lifestyle and a lot of these habits that you're trying to replace over time. And especially as the new year is coming up, instead of thinking, how am I going to do this whole new year, new me situation? Instead, it's like, all right, I'm recognizing after 37 years that it's going to be the same me on January 1st as it was on December 31st. How can I find a way to take the old me, however that looks, and just embed a new layer of routines that are so simple, so easy, so effortless that it really requires almost nothing to be able to get started. And then what you do is you start very, very small and then you build over time. And I think that's the thing to remember. Even if it doesn't seem glamorous to read two pages a night, I can do that for three weeks or two weeks or a day and then I can say all right now I'm going to read three pages and I can slowly build over time it's not about being the end version of yourself on that first day it's about finding a way to take that routine take that habit and just to squeeze it into your current lifestyle in the tiniest way and then just stretch it out over time right and it'll push all of these old habits sort of out They'll, they'll no longer have space to be existing within your current life as you very slowly stretch this, this new habit, stretch it out and build on it over time. And that's how you're going to be able to see progress in the ways that you value without being super overwhelming and without stressing yourself out. I also want to just take a second to recognize so much of our suffering as humans comes from our desire to control things and especially other people and to have things be the way that we want them to be, especially other people's behavior. And I just want to remind all of you, 
Think of how hard it is to change yourself. Think of how effortful it is. Think of how many times you've tried to change something about yourself. It's hard, right? And there are a lot of things that I've been working so hard to change about myself for like a decade and still working on and maybe still will be working on until the end of time. Now I want you to think about how difficult it is to change yourself and I want you to think about the futility of trying to change someone else, right? If I can't even change myself with all the motivation, all of the inspiration, all of the excitement, I have to change this behavior, I'm still struggling to change myself, is there any chance in hell that I'm going to be able to change another person? There really isn't. So if I can encourage you all to release or to work on with your therapist releasing that need, that is going to reduce your suffering. However, if we're going to talk about locus of control, your locus of control are the areas in your life where you do have some agency, you do have some impact. Your locus of control includes your behavior. And so that's what we're going into today and always really is how can I be impactful and agentic in my own life? I can have control over the things that matter to me. I can be living in the ways regardless of what's going on around me, regardless of the challenges I'm facing, regardless of other people's behavior. Here are the values I've identified, right? We've already done that episode. Here are the process goals and the outcome goals related to those values. And now here today and last podcast episode are the systems that I'm going to use to be able to work on those goals and to live within those values. So going back to last week, I'm just going to do a review The first thing to do, like we discussed, is to identify are you trying to increase or decrease a behavior? And if you're going to decrease a behavior, something that's really important, identifying antecedents. Okay, so identifying cues in your environment that are leading to that behavior. Having cookies out on the counter, that's an antecedent, that's a cue to me. Hey, there's sugar available, there's reinforcement available. Identify that antecedent. If I want to stop binging at night, identifying that cue and removing that cue from my visual field is going to be helpful. Identifying replacement behaviors. So specifically you want to identify replacement behaviors just as as motivating, just as reinforcing as the original behavior. So I don't put cookies on the counter, but I'm going to put another favorite snack, almost equally as delicious, ideally, right? Or as delicious or even maybe more delicious than the original stimulus because I want it to be almost an easy choice. I want this choice to be so easy that I I would feel stupid to go grab the cookies out of the cupboard because, oh my gosh, I have this way more amazing snack on the counter that not only is going to taste just as good, but I'm going to feel better after I eat it. So it's a no-brainer. Ideally, your replacement behaviors are incompatible with the target behavior. I can't eat cookies and this thing at the same time. So they don't have to compete. I can only do one of those things. And increasing the response cost for the target behavior. So I want to make it harder. I want to lengthen the behavior chain to engage in the challenging behavior. Make it so much harder for myself. If I don't have this item in the house, now I have to get in the car. I have to drive to the store. I have to go pick it my the Ben and Jerry's New York Super Fudge chunk out of the freezer and pay for it at the checkout. It's a lot of steps, right? I want to make it hard for myself to engage in that behavior that I want to decrease. Now, talking about behaviors to increase, some of the strategies that we discussed were identify routine behavior with which to stack target behavior. So what you're going to do is you're going to look at the behaviors that you engage in every day without fail, no matter what, and then you're going to pair your desired behaviors with stacked behaviors, right? You're going to stack them together 
Brushing teeth, right? You're always going to do that. Using the restroom, you're always going to do that. Eating, you're always going to do that. Now, how can you stack one of these really healthy behaviors that you're trying to increase along with those already occurring behaviors so that the already occurring behavior becomes a cue for the new healthy behavior that you're trying to adopt and implement in your life? Another strategy that we discussed was increasing stimulus salience. So having the healthy item out on the counter within my visual field versus having it hidden, I want those cues to be popping up constantly so that I'm more likely to engage in those behaviors. Putting the workout bag next to the door before I leave for the gym, uh, putting my dumbbells in the middle of the living room floor so that I see them and I think of them and I might do a few quick sets in between activities that I'm doing throughout the day. And the other thing that we identified was decreasing the behavior chain or the response cost for the behavior that I want to increase. So I want to make it easier. So instead of having to walk around and find my tennis shoes for the gym and find my headphones and find my bands that I use, it's all ready to go in the backpack. I just have to pick up the backpack and go, right? I've reduced that behavior chain so that now there's no barrier to me going because Maybe I go and I find my socks, but oh my gosh, now I can't find my bands. Where's my headphones? I can't work out you know, without my headphones. I spend so much time looking. Now there's not really that much time to go to the gym. I'm just not going to go today. I'll find my headphones today and then I'll go tomorrow. You can see how that additional challenge might be enough to keep me from going. And I can tell you for sure it's enough because I lost one of my AirPods. I'm a personal trainer for a living. I love exercising like it's for a mental health like it's so impactful in a positive way on my mental health and even still I couldn't find one of my airpods and I was like well guess I'm not gonna work out silly silly right like what but it just helps me recognize okay so if I don't have headphones it's not going to happen so I just make sure that I have headphones no big deal so the new strategies that we're going to talk about today are going to build upon some of the things that we've already discussed and then there are going to be new strategies to try out and I want you to really identify maybe one or two and practice these in your life and start to get a sense of which ones really resonate with you and which ones seem the most impactful. The other thing that I want to say is just tracking your behavior can change your behavior, just the tracking alone. So sometimes I get my clients started with macro tracking Not necessarily for any other reason except for to help them have a visual record of what they're eating because so often we get so stressed out as moms that I might grab a bite of something in between breaking up the kids fighting and then while I'm making dinner and then while I'm talking on the phone and answering a call, it's like just these little hits throughout the day to provide a little bit of comfort and I might not have a sense of like, what did I even eat today? Uh, So... Sometimes I'll have moms start out with macro tracking just to create some awareness around that. So what I would say, ideally, you don't have to implement any special strategy. You can just sort of track your behavior and that might be enough and that's great. As behavior analysts, we're always looking at what is the most simple solution? What's the thing that's going to be the least challenging, that's going to be the most sustainable over time? Like if you can't sustain this protocol, if you can't sustain this diet or this workout plan, it's not going to be successful. I don't care how amazing it is. I don't care who wrote it. If it's not sustainable, it's it might as well be nothing. And this is something that I learned early on as a behavior analyst where I would write some amazing program for a child where it's like all the bells and whistles. I want parents to do this and this and this. And if you do all of these things, it's going to decrease this child's challenging behavior. And what I saw was that my protocol was so complicated 
And it was so robust that parents would look at it and think, there is no way in hell I'm going to be able to do that. There is just no way. You're asking me to put my day on hold multiple times throughout the day to engage in this very effortful response. I I need a strategy that I can do while I've got one kid on my hip and I'm cooking dinner and then I have this child engaging in this challenging behavior. Like give me that strategy. And so it was figuring out, okay, how can I help these parents do this one thing, just one thing really well, instead of, you know, 10 things uh, and having it be the most amazing program ever that they couldn't have a hope in the world that they could implement it. Let's just pick one thing and help the parent feel really competent at one thing and then we can build, right? And so this is what you're going to want to do. You're going to want to identify what's the simplest solution to help myself be successful in this area. And if I can do something very easy to track my behavior and that's enough, then I'm going to say, let's do that. The other thing that I'm going to say is just track one or two behaviors at a time. Do not identify everything that you want to change about yourself and then try to go hard and change all of those things right away, right? As the new year's coming, you might think, all right, I want to eat healthier. I want to drink more water. I want to meditate. I want to set better boundaries. I want to start going to therapy. I want to, I mean, your list could be long. Because if you're a person that wants to grow in different ways, you're wanting to make sure that you identify some ways to do that. That's great and that's okay. But what I'm going to say is that you're going to want to start very small in all of those categories or you could choose one, get a little bit of momentum going and then add another one. However you want to do it, that's going to keep you the least overwhelmed uh, is going to be the way that's going to be most effective for you. So let's say you identify that you want to drink more water. Figuring out how are you going to track that and then tracking that could be enough to get you in the habit of drinking more water. Also, something that could be easy is just creating more cues in your environment to drink more water so that you don't even track it necessarily. You just have water around you all the time and then at the end of the day you notice, oh my gosh, I drank all of those bottles that I filled up throughout the day. So let's say in the beginning of the day, you fill up five water bottles or you have a huge water bottle and you fill it all the way up and you place them around your house so that when you're in a different spot, you just notice, right? There's that visual cue of that water bottle there. You're going to take some drinks of it and then that's going to add up throughout the day so that you drink all five water bottles and that's maybe your goal and that's great. And again, you would start that goal very small. You would start lower. You wouldn't start with five. You maybe would start with two or three. The thing is that as humans, we have five senses right but our biggest sense is our visual sense like we are so cued by our visual sense and it's so powerful in our environment so if you can use that right if you can use this visual cue as the biggest catalyst for your behavior change you can be successful so you're just going to want to put in different areas of your house things that are going to cue you to engage in the correct behavior I remember when I was younger, there was one point in time where my mom had cut out some pictures of really fit women, you know, like six pack abs, you know, what you would identify as the socially acceptable body type for women. She cut those pictures out. She cut those pictures out and she placed them on the kitchen cabinets. (laughs) And I think the goal was that every time you walked into the kitchen to have a snack, you'd have to look at the abs of some other woman. And it would it would prompt shame in you and you would maybe then choose not to uh, eat the food that you were going to eat out of the cupboard. 
So she got the visual cue part right, which is that she knew that if she could see something that would motivate her, it might it might be effective. However, a better strategy and a less sort of psychologically harmful strategy would be how do you increase health, right, regarding eating behavior? You just place those foods or you place those stimuli within your visual environment so that when you walk into the kitchen, instead of seeing pictures of women with a six-pack abs, you see chopped bananas, you see chopped strawberries, you see uh, some really healthy granola bars, maybe some turkey jerky, uh, some hard-boiled eggs. Those are the things you want to see because what is going to happen is I'm going to walk into the kitchen, I'm going to see a woman with six-pack abs, and then I'm not going to know how do I get from here where I am hungry to where I want to be satiated in a way that's going to help me live within that value, the picture that I've identified quickly. And the thing about our brains is that they want to get us from here to there very quickly. They want to engage in the least effortful behavior. And so the problem is she thought that the effective thing to do would be to increase her motivation, but that was never the issue. The issue was decreasing the friction, decreasing the challenge of engaging in those behaviors, making it easier, so easy that it was it was a no-brainer. And so delicious, right? Finding really good, delicious replacements for some of those less healthy foods that she would have eaten in the past. I do want to say that it's taken me a long time, but I no longer subscribe to that belief that women's bodies have to look a certain way. And I think that, and I know that that belief keeps a lot of women and especially larger bodied women out of the gym because they perceive that it's not a place for them. They don't belong there. And I think that is such a disservice to such a huge group of women who would really love to feel powerful lifting heavy weights, would love to feel really capable knowing what they're able to do with their bodies, would love to feel the mental health benefits of going in and making a promise to yourself and setting a boundary and engaging in some self-care and lifting some heavy shit and feeling really good afterwards, like I did that thing the community that you get by connecting with other people who are also lifting weights, especially women, all of these benefits women miss out on because they perceive, oh, I, I don't belong there. That's not a place for me. And that is like the goal of my life to undo that belief. I actually ran a 10K with my sister recently and my sister's always been an athlete. She was a varsity basketball athlete for her whole high school career And she's 5'8", strong, strong body. But she didn't have this like petite sort of socially acceptable body type that women are told we're supposed to have in order to be valued in the world. And it was so interesting to her when we got to the end of the 10K and she was surprised that she had beat so many people who had that body type. She had perceived that she was less healthy than she was, you know, that she was less fit and actually she killed it and she beat me by 10 minutes and and many other people she beat by, by many, many minutes. And I think that's sort of the goal. If I could just pick a goal that I could succeed at in my whole life, it would just be to remove this belief that health has to be a certain size, remove this belief that... You know, if you're in this body, there's no way you could be healthy. I mean, she 
She knows how healthy she is. She lifts weight. She runs. She's very active. And even she was believing that lie such that she was surprised at the end of the run. Like, wow, I didn't think I was so fit. And I'm thinking, why? Why didn't you think that? You know, but it's because of this lie that we've been fed. It's because of the pictures of the ladies with the six-pack abs on the cupboard. It's because of the the magazines and the media and all of this crap that we're told we're supposed to have a body type that most women are never going to have. Like that's not sustainable, first of all. It's not even accessible for most women in a, in a healthy way. For me, I stopped menstruating in order to get abs. It's just you totally lose sight of the whole reason you began, which was health, right? And at that point, why am I doing this? Because health is no longer the answer to that question, clearly. So moving on to other strategies, you want to identify specifics. So if we're talking about a behavior to increase, you want to identify specifics that will support goal completion. So instead of just saying, I'm going to work out more often, you're saying, I will go to this place to work out on these days at this time. I'm going to go to Fitness 19 on Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 7.30 a.m. and I'm going to work out for 45 minutes. Then you need to identify how you will implement the plan. So you are thinking, okay, what do I need to be successful in that goal? What needs to happen with my kids? Uh, How can I recruit help maybe from my partner or a family member to help me be successful with that? Identifying challenges ahead of time. So what are you likely to feel at 7.30 a.m. when you're about to leave? You're probably tired, might be cold outside, you might be hungry. Uh, You might not feel like it. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to think, okay, I'm going to put myself in the body of 7.30 a.m. Amber. And let's just be honest, you're the same person right now that you're going to be then. You don't have some magical willpower that you're going to be able to bring up from the depths of your soul, right? You're still that person who's like, oh, I don't want to feel like this. I don't don't feel like going. I don't want to go. People always think, including me, by the way, I'm people. (laughs) I always think I'm going to be a different person on the weekend. So I tell myself, okay, this weekend I'm going to do this, 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 this. I never do those things. And yet there's so much optimism, right? It's just this, um, this insane optimism where it's like, I'm going to be a different person this weekend that doesn't need rest and just likes to work. I'm never that person. I don't suddenly have this, this magical willpower on the weekend that I didn't have during the week. And yet Before every weekend comes, I anticipate I'm going to be a different person. You're not. At 7.30 a.m., you're going to be the same person you are now. So you need to be honest with yourself about that and identify what am I going to be likely feeling at that moment. I'm tired. Okay, let's figure out a strategy. Take some pre-workout. Make sure that you get to bed early enough the night before. Don't give yourself a lot of time to think about it. Get up and quickly move out the door because the longer you lay in bed, the more challenging it's going to be to get out of bed. Mel Robbins has a great strategy around this. She just counts down from five. So she's laying in bed, the alarm goes off, she gives herself five seconds, and then no matter what, when it hits zero, she gets up. Five, four, three, two, one, zero, and she's up. That's it. You count down, and when you hit the bottom, you get up no matter what so that you can trust yourself. When you tell yourself you're going to do it, you do it. So you're identifying some strategies around, okay, if I'm tired, here's what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to be hustling, so I'm going to be trying to get the kids to school. Okay, so the night before, I'm planning lunches. I make some breakfast burritos. I tell my partner what they need to do. 
I lay my workout clothes out or I go to sleep with my workout clothes on. My workout bag is next to the front door. Great. I literally get out of bed, throw a piece of gum in my mouth and walk out the front door. There you go. I eat a granola bar on the way there or I made myself a breakfast burrito. Uh, I drink some pre-workout and then there, we're good to go. Now you've addressed the possible challenges of I'm tired and I'm too busy and I'm too stressed out. What else could pop up? You don't feel like it. Okay, well, that's another 54321 strategy. Um, I have before listened to the motivational talks on the way to the gym. At that point, you're already on your way, so you're okay. The other thing that you could do is you could just tell yourself, listen, just validate those feelings. Listen, Amber, I know you don't feel like it. I get it. Uh, but this is a part of living a values-based life. And you're going to go because you said you would. And why don't you just go for a little while? Just go for 20 minutes. You don't have to go for the whole time. What I can promise you is probably when you get there and you get into your groove, you'll do your whole workout. But lowering that barrier to entry and telling yourself it's no big deal, let's just go for a little while can help get you out the door so that you can get yourself there. And then it's going to feel less challenging once you're there. Once you got some food in you, once you got some coffee in you or some pre-workout, you're going to be good to go. Um, you're anticipating all of those challenges and you're preparing for them. What we often do is say, this is what I'm going to do. And then if something pops up, we're like, oh, shoot, I didn't plan for this. I didn't. What about your child wakes up and they're sick? Well, it depends, right? How sick? Do they need you? Can your partner step in? Is this a big situation? If it's a big situation, you don't go to the gym. But here's the thing. If it's a pattern and it's always a big situation, now you need to find a plan. It can't always be a 10 on a scale of 1 to 10, right? So I had a client who her kiddos get sick often and we talked about this because she was like, well, you know, if I have to go to the ER, I have to go to the ER and I fully agree. Like there's no question. So we just decided to keep an eye on it and try to see if there was a pattern. If there's a pattern that's always happening, then we would identify some solutions so that she could still be successful and get herself there and take care of herself knowing if she does that, she's going to be better equipped to take care of her son who was not feeling well. And luckily, it just lasted a week and it was fine. But we're just always looking for patterns. Skipping one workout is not a big deal, especially if it's because your child is in the ER. No question, you need to be with your child. But if you find yourself always going to that, oh, my child needs me, my child needs me, then we need to come up with some way for you to not only hold that value of showing up for your child, right? Because that's a value that you care about. I don't want you to have to let go of that value while also holding the value of self-care and showing up for yourself and find a way to combine the two. Now, going back to cues that can help you be really successful, the biggest cues that are effective are time and location. So time as a cue, you know, I always do this after this. After I brush my teeth, right, I always do this thing. Or when I'm at the gym, I always work out. So the wonderful thing about identifying a specific location to engage in a particular habit is that that location develops really tight stimulus control over that behavior. So for example, it's really challenging for me to work out now at home because the gym has such tight stimulus control over my exercise behavior uh, that during the pandemic, it was hard to get really good workouts done at home. Whereas when I go to the gym, I step in there, I know what I'm there to do. There aren't distractions. I have all the visual cues of the equipment and the other people modeling that behavior of exercising. And it's really easy for me to just say, I'm here now. I'm going to go ahead and get it done at home. 
uh, their problem is that that is a space for a lot of different behaviors, right? I eat at home, I relax at home, I take care of my kids at home, I clean at home, I watch TV at home. All of these behaviors now are competing with exercising and my home is a stimulus for a number of behaviors versus the gym. So something that you can do is you can identify some specific location to have really tight stimulus control over a specific behavior. So I always work at my desk. When I sit down in my desk, it cues me to engage in that behavior of working because that is the place where I always engage in that behavior, right? This desk has a really strong learning history for me of being the place that I do my work. If I try to do work on the couch, I'm not as productive. If I try to do work in my bed, I'm not as productive. This is also why people can have trouble sleeping because they do a lot of things in their bed, right? They they watch TV, maybe they read, maybe they do their work. Especially with COVID, our homes had to serve a number of functions. And so a way to begin sleeping better is to use other rooms in the house or other spaces in the house, even within that room, to do other things and then only get into your bed when you are ready to sleep. Uh, so if you're laying in your bed and you're having trouble sleeping, get up out of your bed, go sit somewhere else, then come back to your bed and try again. What you don't want to do is have yourself engaging in a different behavior other than sleeping in that bed because again that adds a data point to the learning history of hey I do other things in this bed besides sleeping. So those are a few more strategies that I want you to take into this next week and then next week on the next podcast we'll really wrap up this series by uh, including a few more strategies that you can use to help yourself be successful by changing your environment. The big thing to remember is that habits are context dependent. Like so much of our behavior is shaped by what is easiest and most obvious. So instead of beating yourself up for not being able to engage in a specific behavior, instead of thinking you lack willpower or making some kind of a judgment about your character, acknowledge the fact that most humans engage in behavior because it's just easy and their environment supports it. People who are really successful in life don't have some special surplus of willpower that everyone else doesn't have. All they do better is they know how to adjust their environment to support their goals instead of having to lean on their willpower. Like you don't have to lean on your willpower if you are a recovering addict and you don't put yourself in a situation where you're going to come into increased contact with those substances, right? You make it easier for yourself. And that's all successful people do is that they identify the fact that they're human. If they put themselves in situations where they're not going to be successful, they probably won't be successful. They acknowledge that and they anticipate it. And so they create environments that make it easy for them to be successful. I actually think it's interesting because... In some ways, when I continue to believe that I could do something without setting up my environment to be successful, it was like I had this belief that I was more capable than I was. And then when I would fail at that, I would beat myself up for failing at that. And it's so interesting that just acknowledging that actually not setting myself up to be successful means I probably won't be successful increases my self-esteem and actually helps me feel better about myself. So it's very interesting because one looks like my self-esteem is so high, I think to myself, 
oh, I don't need to prepare. I'll be able to make a healthy choice, even if I'm starving, even if I'm rushing, even if there are a lot of things pulling on my attention and my time and energy. I'll be able to do the thing that I want to do, right? So you have this sort of like inflated sense in your ability to be successful. And then when you fail, you beat yourself up so badly, right? You take yourself from this really high pedestal to like the lowest depths, like I'm the worst human on earth versus looking at yourself as so human and so fallible and truly just built to be weak in those moments when you're hungry. You're built that way. You're built to eat when you're hungry, whatever is easiest, whatever is going to satiate you the most quickly. We're made that way. And if you acknowledge that on the front end, hey, when I'm hungry, it's more challenging for me to make decisions in line with my goals and my values. Hey, when I hang out at bars, it's more challenging for me to not drink. When I hang out with these certain friends, it's more challenging for me to make choices that support my current goals. And then you adjust accordingly. You actually do the things that get you to the place that you want to be. And that's what actually increases your self-esteem in a true way. It's not inflated because you're not thinking, oh, I'm so amazing. And then you don't allow yourself to be successful and then you fail. Instead, you say, hey, I'm a human, so it's hard for me when I'm really hungry. So I'm going to make sure that I don't get to the point where I'm really hungry. And then you're caring for yourself in such a way that you are meeting your goals and you're like feeling really good about that. Hey, I'm living in line with my goals. Because I identified that I'm just a human and that when these certain triggers or cues or barriers or challenges pop up, it's hard for me to be successful. So what's wrong with just seeing ourselves as human, letting go of that belief that we don't need support, choosing to adjust our environment so that we can meet our goals, so that we can feel well cared for, and being able to move forward slowly instead of on this high and low roller coaster where we're going so big and so hard and then crashing and going so big and so hard and crashing. Instead, just starting in a really easy, balanced way and building over time. I know it's not as sexy and I know it's less dramatic, but it's really the only way. That's not going to totally kill your self-esteem. That's not going to burn you out. Where you're actually going to see progress is just to do the small, boring thing every day. So next week we'll wrap up. We'll discuss some more strategies. I want you to try some of these in your life this week. See if there's something that resonates with you and is super helpful. As always, I really appreciate you listening. Please send me a message on IG or at my website if you have feedback or thoughts that you want to add. My IG handle is DivergentFitnessCA, as in California. And I would love to hear from you. And I really appreciate you sharing the podcast with friends so that we can have more people benefiting from the science of human behavior and being able to use the information to live a life in line with their values. Have a wonderful week and I'll see you next time. Bye. Oh,